Hey there, guys, and welcome to another episode of the Smashing Crossbar Podcast. I do apologise for running a little bit late. Discord having a little a bitch fit. Um, welcome, everyone. Luke, welcome, mate. Welcome, a new beer. Um, he's so always pretty much on here. To, he's always here. Ben's always here as well. Ben, how are you, mate? Hey, guys. I'm good. How are we all doing? Very good. Hope everyone can hear us in the audio. Audio's all good and all that sort of stuff. I can now that I've unmuted you. Thanks, mate. So, yes, welcome, everybody. Um, on tonight's show, we, as I said, are running a little bit late, so we're going to pump right through it. Uh, tonight we are joined by, well, let's put it this way, a, football, a person in football who has literally done everything I think you can do in football. Um, if you don't know him in Australian football, there's something wrong. You don't support the game, as far as I'm concerned. You will have heard him. You'll have heard him. You'll have seen him around um, Newcastle, obviously, because he's up there these days. Um, if you love your nerds, um, you might have seen him around on the ABC a while back. Um, if you support Sydney FC, you'll know who he is. So um, we thank you very much for your time, mate. Andy Harper, how are you, buddy? Well, I'm well, thank you. I'm very well. It's uh, it's good to be here finally, and I don't mean by that I don't mean it's taken you forever to invite me on, but it has taken us forever to get connected tonight for some <laughs> reason. But I blame you guys for that. Oh mate, as I said, you the the, the Fox um Fox Sports commentary box. It's it's hard to get hold of you, especially when you've got no social media and <laughs> everything else. So it's a uh, big thanks to the general. For um, hooking us yeah, up. The general. Yeah, yeah, absolute legend. He has popped in a question here for you, or a little story that he'd like you to tell. We'll get to that at some point. Um, <laughs> but yeah, welcome to everybody. If you guys have got any questions, whack them in the chat, and we'll try and get through to them. We've got obviously a few um, quick ones, and then yeah, we'll open it up to you guys. So we may as well start from the very beginning, as we we're talking about last week. You don't want to touch on too much about your career, so we'll, we'll breeze over it. Um. 321 games, roughly, and obviously 101 goals, supposedly. <laughs> how, how did it all come about, mate? How did you get into football? Was it, you know, drilled in by, the, by your dad or so forth, or did you just, yeah, how, how did you start playing? Uh, no, it wasn't drilled into me at all. I, I don't recall my family being particularly inclined sporting-wise. My mum and dad were, were immigrants, British immigrants, Um didn't come out together. They they met out here and didn't come from a particularly sporting background. Uh, and my family legend has it that um, uh, my mum, God bless her, uh, was keen to clean the house of a Saturday morning and so she would kick my dad out with me and with the instruction of going going to have some quality time with your little fella. And so his idea of that was to just kick a ball around as four, as I was a four or five-year-old and some local bloke who was involved in the St Ives Soccer Club, as it still is, in the North Shore of Sydney, invited us along and that's where I started playing soccer. Very simple and there was no grand plan behind it. There you go. Absolutely. Well, um, as I said, 321 games later, <laughs> yeah. it, it was yeah. Um, yeah, good move by the old man to get, the, get you out with the ball. <laughs> so, as it uh, turned out. Yeah, as it turned out, yeah, and and he's he uh, hailed from Birmingham originally too, so I can see that that brilliant yeah. blue Birmingham shirt there, and it resonates immediately. <laughs> Bloody hell. Bloody I Birmingham. found a kindred spirit. There's not many of us in Australia. 
No, no, there's not. Well, I haven't. They haven't really. I mean, I, I, I couldn't hand in heart, hand on heart, say I'm a diehard Birmingham fan, but because of the family lineage, I do keep a an eye on it. And, and outside of well, Riley McGree and Stan Lazaridis and perhaps one or two others, and and the lack of success at Birmingham, there hasn't been a huge. It hasn't been a huge draw card for Australian fans. Put it that way. Yeah. Not yeah. not a chance. <laughs> Definitely isn't a Leeds United. Uh, <laughs> well, not oh, since yeah. the Carling Cup win against Arsenal, but we'll leave that one alone. Uh, mate, you've got some glory. Friggin not many teams get to say they played in the championship and then play, played, and in, played in Europa League Europe. at the same time. <laughs> you take that. It's good effort. And you said you beat Arsenal. So that's yeah. happy days. Any, any, any team that beats Arsenal is good. Um, as I said, we'll quickly go over the like your career sort of thing. 1993 NSL Grand Final scored uh, from a penalty, I believe, to in a one 0 victory over Adelaide City. What, what? How was that? How was that? How was it like playing in the old NSL? Oh, mate, it was it was life defining. I loved it. Um, it just it was incredible, and mm. um, I, you know, I I didn't presume to any of this sort of stuff really, and for me. To have played in an NSL Grand Final, really, I mean, it was it was pretty remarkable. Even to have been approached by Marconi back in the NSL days, that was one of you know uh, the top clubs. That was an honour in itself. One of the yeah. top clubs in the NSL. So I re- I had to pinch myself really because, um, you know, quite literally, it, it's all a bit of a fluke, really. I mean, I I had a great time. Uh, I'd like to think I I. I made a contribution along the way and I like to think the teammates with whom I played enjoyed that experience. But mate, to look back and, and to have actually played in an NSL grand final was was pretty amazing really given the background. Yeah. I believe going to Marconi, as you said at the time, pretty you know, one of the one of the top sides in the league and everything else. I, I believe that was for like you know, only from this the information that I've had in the last week of finding, it was um even a decent amount of money to transfer. Um, I believe around eighteen thousand dollars. Is that is that sort of correct? well? Look, yeah, I don't know your research how it does mine. I, I don't know, but um, just at the time, I mean, you know, I, the reason why I say this is because when I was growing up playing football and playing in the local teams, mm. and I was never particularly recognised. I mean, I played a lot of different sports, played them to varying degrees of success, mm-hmm. but in my local rep team. So in the modern in the modern parlance, that would be like at, in the local NPL junior NPL competition. Yeah, yeah. Um, we had a, we had a good team. We had about seven players in the New South Wales state team, mm-hmm. um, but I wasn't one of them. I was never one of them. I, mm-hmm. Apart from that rep team, I, I never got picked or identified for anything. Yeah. Um, I, I just kept playing because it's what I did, and then you know then. I, I was playing at St George with Frank Arrock and managed to be doing pretty well. It's a long and winding road to that point, but then Marconi rings. It's like blows you away. You think, what the hell yeah. is this? I mean, mm. so so it, it's all a bit. Um, it was all a bit surreal, but fantastic fun, and the, the NSL was just a magical experience, really. Mm. What was it like, obviously going from obviously Marconi at the time? Um, you know, again, you on on top of everything, ninety three. And then obviously we, we fast forward obviously a few years ninety nine thereabouts um, mm. get picked up by the breakers yeah um, who were sort of struggling um, mm. you know virtually hanging on hanging by, hanging on by a thread sort of thing how how did that come mm. about what, what made you um, you know sort of join Newcastle because I know there was a bit mm. of a exodus between you and obviously a few other players as well where you sort of just pulled the pin and 
then obviously the following year in 2000, we obviously mm-hmm. went under the new name and changed everything. And mm-hmm. we mm. come back. How did it all come about? What, what made you come to Newcastle? Uh, well, I just I'd finished up in I'd, I'd been in Brisbane playing for the Strikers, which was mm-hmm. great fun too. Although I wasn't, I didn't go particularly well. Um, uh, but that happens. And and my wife, whilst I was playing, my wife was also in the in the relatively early stages of her corporate career, as it as it was then. And so, at the, and Brisbane was sort of winding to an end, and we were thinking what we we're going to do and. I'd either get a, an extension in Brisbane or if she got a job offer in Sydney, then we'd just say, right, that'll make our decision for us and back we go to Sydney, uh, which is what happened. Um, and then when I was in Sydney, um, Lee Sterry rang, who's become a, a – well, he was a, a guy I really enjoyed playing for. as a guy I've come to cherish and respect as a, as a colleague and friend. And um, so he rang and said, how about you come up now um, – I couldn't tell you the exact whys and wherefores, but it just seemed like a good idea. And Bobby Catlin was part of it. I didn't really know anyone else. I went up and had a couple of – I tested the water a bit and and I just – I loved it. I just really loved it. The the So so once there was an offer on the table, um, yeah. it was it was really a no-brainer. Um, there was – it was just uh, – it was a, sort of a little – the feeling was a little strange, to be honest, because it was yeah. a, a drive up there, and I didn't really know what I was getting into. But I just, I do remember that first training session that, and I hadn't signed at this point. Lee said, "Why don't you just come up and have a run around and see what what you feel like?" Yeah. Which I was happy to do, um, and that was out of the back of the old stadium there at Walls End, which is now a running track. I'm, I'm led to believe a, a dog track. The old dog, um, yeah. At Birmingham Gardens there, and and. The, the guys were just brilliant. I just, I just really, I mean, you don't get to know new teammates in one night, but, yeah. but I just really, really enjoyed the atmosphere. Shane Price, Andy, Andy Roberts, the general you've mentioned him, Glenn Sanderson, Mark Wilson, Toddy McManus, um, Brad Witcherek, Pete Junkovitz, Brad Swancott. I mean, I'm going to leave people out once I've named them all. I know that, <laughs> but um, just, just super, super blokes and. Yeah. And could play, and I just really enjoyed it. So once mm. Lee said, "Do you fancy it?" We we did it, and it was something I never have ever regretted. It was magic fun. Yeah. So so obviously at that time and period, obviously there was no inkling of suspicion that the club was sort of going to go down that way that it ended up doing. Or no, no, no none, none whatsoever. I mean, we we joked about at the time some of the things that were said. <laughs> Uh, by the then management about what was going to happen, um, what was, but you know, with particularly the older guys like Bobby and I, who'd been around clubs for a long time, and mm-hmm. the struggles of the NSL from place to place, were very well aware of of you know, how 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 brittle some things could be. So we didn't buy a lot into it, but it did become um, a little bit difficult as as time went on, and then the circumstances eventuated where. The then owner of the club, um, uh, David Hill, David Hill, David Hall, David mm-hmm. Hall, was was running into a bit of trouble allegedly, and um, uh, there was a few entitlements that hadn't been met to the players. So we all jumped on mass in the knowledge or in the hope that Con Constantine would would pick up the operation, which is what happened. Um, yeah. So that group of players was actually very important in. In 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 bridging the bridging that bridging the the, the two organisations and then yeah. for Con to take over and of course then 
have great success in the A-League. Yeah, well, absolutely. Uh, I, I, I would say this is only from my my opinion. Um, at that point of time, you're obviously you were looking beyond um, football itself. I do believe you were commentating, doing a bit of commentary works while you were still playing. That is that the case mm. as well? Yeah, a little bit. I had been yeah. a little bit, but there was, you know, there were back in those days. There was no television really, so mm-hmm. there was C seven and, and and there was Optus. So I shouldn't. I'm not being dismissive. Yes, there was some paid television stuff happening. There, there weren't careers on uh, available. I'd done a bit of radio with ABC, which was a fluke. Um, I'd started doing some stuff with SBS, yeah. uh, in uh, which took me to the World Cup in '98, uh, mm-hmm. which which was another huge huge moment. And then I thought, so so there I was dabbling a little bit, yeah. Um, yeah. but you know, the just my legs ran out in the end. I just couldn't play anymore. I mean, I wasn't injured, um, but I just couldn't keep up. And I had, I did have an injury between the two seasons at the Breakers, and but at the end of that season, Con decided that he wanted to move a few of us on. I was one of them. That happens. Yeah. Um, and then after that, I I, I just I, I really lost the zip. Not the desire, but the zip, and so it was time to, yeah, time to put myself out to pasture and go and do some other things. And there was no grand plan behind any of it, but it's been terrific the way it's worked out. Yeah, well, absolutely. Obviously, you're doing a bit of commentary before you finished up, and here we are, all those years later, and still, still in the commentary box, and um, obviously mm. loving it. Obviously, yeah, oh, mate, I love it, love it to pieces. I love Australian football, whatever form it takes. You know, I. Yeah. I love the A League and, and and support it as as far as I can, but if it wasn't the A League, it was something else. I'd love that too. I just love local football. I love it. I'm I'm less excited about. Uh, I, I follow, keep in touch with various uh, leagues overseas, but I, it would be wrong to say I follow them necessarily. Mm. And and I'm I do that less and less actually. The more the more money um, flows into some of these competitions, I find the less interest I take. But that's a personal thing. But I love the local stuff. I love Australians aggregating around, following, playing their version of football. It's 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 the thing that it's the only thing really that I think about outside of um, you know family and that sort of thing. Yeah, no. Well, obviously, we'll um as, as I said at the start of the show, guys. Obviously, you've been a part of nearly everything. As you said, you love the game, you love Australian mm-hmm. football, and honestly, you, from what of the research that I've been doing, you've you've been in everything. Um, mm. you know, we go we go a couple of years forward again, and you look at the start of the A League. You know, it's coming of age. You know, obviously, it's, you know, it's come. It's the birth of the A League starts two thousand and four thereabouts. Um, and then obviously Sydney appoint you as the CEO. Yeah, um, that's huge. Like again, as a Jets fan, not 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 happy, but <laughs> and then Sydney won, and then went on to win the first inaugural season. Let's be honest, yep. Tony York and Co. and Pretty good, very very strong side. Yeah. Um, mm. How how did that all come about? And obviously, how how did you find your time? Obviously, um, as the CEO of mm. in the inaugural season. Mm. Well, yeah, mate, that was another whirlwind, and that was a yeah. that was a phone, another phone call that came totally out of the blue. Um, yeah, right. From from an initial investor by the name of Peter Turnbull, who then would move after after being a foundation investor in Sydney, then moved to the Mariners when they won and and. And was there when they won their grand final? Unfortunately, yeah. beating Newcastle. Um, no, they lost it against Newcastle. They beat oh, the Wanderers. Easy. That's right. <laughs> so he was. That, that's right. He, that was Cons. Cons, Cons was the, Yeah. 
So Peter Turnbull was the guy who rang, and it was totally out of the blue. Um, um, and so I, I discussed with them about being the CEO. It was an amazing notion, really. So that was – but but it was a very – it was a very tumultuous period. I, I didn't stay in the job long. When I, it was a pretty uncomfortable period. Um, and I, in all honesty, look back and think um, that I was probably more window dressing than anything else. Um, I was called the CEO, but I, I don't. When I think back, I don't really think that I was. Yeah. Um, not the way we we know things now, but it was a whirlwind period. Now, when I started there, there was well, I had a couple of staff who preceded me. They'd already signed, which is a story in itself. They'd already signed fifteen players, and at the first season of the A League, the, the squad max was twenty. So yeah. by the time I'd got there, they'd already signed seventy percent, seventy five percent of their staff, playing staff, and all the coaching staff had been sorted, almost apart from the head coach. Um, and e- even even if I, as when window dressing or not, I was only the the quote unquote CEO for a few months um, before they decided to move me into another position, which was um, another non nondescript role. And by the end of that first season, um, I'd left and went to the World Cup in two thousand and six. So the Sydney, uh, I, um, I'm very happy to have had that experience. Yeah. It was a really tough tumultuous time and it was a wild west mate when the a-league started dead mm-hmm. set it was the wild west you know apart from newcastle uh which under con had an existing structure yeah because yeah. they'd finished the nsl perth glory adelaide to an extent uh, all the all the clubs were new brisbane yeah. raw queensland raw as they were yeah. they were an off- offshoot of brisbane Lions, so they had some sort of infrastructure but the mariners um uh, melbourne victory Sydney, uh, which is where obviously I was, we were brand new. There was nothing there. There was a name. And the, the league itself was just yep. started and was out of the gates and running and there was all sorts of stuff flying on. It was the Wild West. It was really amazing. So I'm, I'm very grateful to have, been, have had that opportunity. Yeah. Um, but it's, it wouldn't be – it would bear no resemblance to the experience of a CEO nowadays. Yeah. It's just interesting to see, like, you know, here, obviously, the start of the, you know, A-League itself, obviously, you know, you had sort of no idea it come out of the blue and everything else, and here you are, obviously, um, you know, for, for however long it may have been, um, you know, CEO of Sydney FC, mm. uh, and let's be honest, you know, I was only, you know, 18 or something like that at yeah. the time, and the players, you know, you know, let's be honest, I'm a diehard Liverpool fan, but who doesn't know Dwight York, you know, if yeah. like that gets signed That's as right. a... To the A League, it's holy cow. Where you know, one, where, who's paying for this? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, like, hang on a minute, we're, we're struggling to get out of bloody Oceania, you know, mm. beforehand, before obviously the World Cup there in 2006. But, yeah. um, you know, there's just the, where's the money coming from, and then even some of the blokes that have sort of come back, um, to you know, the, the latter stages of their career to Sydney FC and everything else. It was just sort of a no-brainer, in my opinion, that Sydney was, was the team to beat. Like you know, there was no, mm. uh, in my yeah, there was no one else. Um, mm. But then obviously you, know, you get put into that. Now you were saying as well, it's not sort of the, the same same role as what a CEO would be, say these days. But even then, 
thinking about it. Um, Newcastle Jets is prime example of that, and I love love Laurie to bits. Mm. But at the end of the day, he's not a CEO. He's got no qualifications in that field. But mm. obviously, just on his experiences in football and stuff like that, still gets a chance. Mm. I think that's good to see. You know, what I mean, I think it's mm. what um, what we needed at the time. Ben, obviously, um, when he first came in, like we were hundred percent. Um, and it wasn't so much the qualifications that we needed. It was somebody who knew football, someone who mm. loved the game and yeah. breathed it, and wasn't so much in you know, not so not football. so much a numbers man. Yeah, mm. it's it's that connection with the community and the fan base and the players. Mm. And the players, and people, and... players just are relaxed and mm. holy cow! You know, this bloke's been next coach. He's you know, take the mayor out of it and so forth. But he's played the game. He knows everything there is. I suppose probably no different to you. You know yourself, Andy. It's you know he's played the game. He you know he's lived and breathed it. It's he's not come from this business background sort of thing where he's never touched a ball in his life. And, mm. He doesn't know the rules or whatever it is. You're able to sit down. You're able to sit down and have a conversation with a player and, and and put their their mind at ease because you know you may or may not have been in a similar position before in your career and you know there's that connection with with the person with people that communication skill that you can't really teach from a a business degree or something like that. Yeah, you're right. I mean, Laurie's a multi-skilled person, and his his life has been full of football. But yeah. but he has been involved in. Well, he worked for Asics um, mm. for a number of years. Uh, the you know the apparel manufacturer, the sports apparel, and he rose through the ranks there. So he he, he does know his way around a balance sheet in that sense and a budget. Yeah, of course. Um, and that all helped, of course. Um, and he, look, he's a very multi-skilled. Person, but I, I, I get your point. I, I get your point completely. Um, yeah. I, I just, I, I think when when the A League started, um, there was a, it was, it was of maximum importance to Football Federation Australia's um, way of doing things yeah. that 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 governance, proper governance was was enacted right around the place in mm. a head office and through their through their member clubs of the A League, the ones that existed and then the ones that they are establishing. And being and, and Sydney being and along with probably Melbourne Victory, although without revising history, they were a bit slow out of the blocks, the victory. Um they mm. took a while to to consolidate all their in their the, the foundation investors and for a large part of that first season, if not the whole of the first season, Football Federation Australia was still a stakeholder. Um, needless to say, they've they've blitzed the field since up until this current season, and Melbourne Victory have become you know the behemoth of the league in a, in a lot of ways, right? But back then, I think there was probably this sense or this thought that you know Sydney's going to be um, the one that everyone's judging, yeah. And and because the Lowys, Frank Lowy, was had a stake in the club, I think they were pretty keen to make sure that they ticked all the other boxes about. Corporate governance and propriety, yeah. and so that's why when I say I was uh, um, more window dressing than anything else, I, th- I think it was important for them to say that Sydney, the team that probably everyone's going to poke a stick at, um, um, and whatever other perceptions were going around it, does have a CEO, and now we just got to find one. So I think I think when I say I was um, window dressing, I think that was really. You know, I was that window dressing. I was that mm. box ticking that 
you know, we're yeah. doing this properly and transparently. Yeah. Um, and then people went about doing their business and whatnot. Now, there's, I, I will say, if, if I was going to be a barnstorming success at that job um, and forced my way through on the back of, on, on the back of just being great at it, then yeah. I, I could well have stayed in that position. Um, yeah. But that's not the way history went out. Uh, went about and and Sydney has gone on to twist and turn and now become a really formidable, very impressive organisation. Yeah, and and that's exactly it. Obviously, you touch on Melbourne victory and stuff like that. Let's be honest, the A-League started and I don't think anyone would have, you know, been sitting back going that, you know, the Melbourne team, <laughs> Melbourne team wasn't going to be successful. You know, you know the, the amount of um, freaks and stuff like that that are down to live in Melbourne, breathe football. The NSL, as you said, the Melbourne Knights and so forth, like the football is just massive, you know. Um, it's always been that big down here. Well, it is. It has. It always has been, you know, very football, obviously Sydney Rugby League and stuff like that. Um, but it was slow, as you said, you know, you think about it. It, it was They were really slow out of the gate. Um, but, again, it didn't take them long before they got into a good run of form. <laughs> Trophy started to come and oh, yeah. Yeah. everything followed and now they're in a bit of a slump. But let's be honest, it's not going to last like the Central Coast or, or like, like us over the last few years or mm. like us. Mm. They'll pick themselves back up and obviously, mm. um, let's be honest, they picked up a, a bloody good coach for next season and he, he won't be there. He'll be he'll virtually be doing it his way and as he always does. It's always yeah. his way. But it gets but results. Yeah, but it, that's it. It gets results. He struggled a bit at Perth, but. Um, but anyway, we'll move on. Obviously, 2004, you're saying, well, 2005, six, you sort of finished up there and so forth. But we can't go past 2004. Everyone in the chat, if you've watched ABC as a kid or maybe even as a teenager and so forth in our, our eyes, um, or you just love computers and so forth and you're a nerd and stuff like that going <laughs> growing up. I watched um, it. I it totally spun me out. I totally forgot. It wasn't until I sort of went through and done a bit of research in that that I realised they'd come back saying yeah, that you were a coach of that. I'm like, holy cow, he wants <laughs> to. I, I totally forgot about it. Um, mm. what, what was that like as an experience? Obviously, as I said, you haven't really done a great deal of coaching, but you know, mm. it's coaching. So, you've, again, you tick that box again in football, um, taking a group of nerds in, and then getting them to play some sort of um, – football after a few months or whatever it was mm. for training. How was that? What was it like? Yeah, well, that was great. That was uh, a different type of coaching. It was all yeah. – it, it was – a large chunk of it was staged. I, I, I finished the NSL coaching at Marconi with JP, De Marini. Mm. Mm. Um, and then the NSL finished and bubbled around. I was still working at Sydney uh, in this other job when the Nerds FC things come out. So I came out of SBS. They picked up a franchise out of Denmark, which was – I can't think of the name of the version they did in Denmark, but it was the same yeah. thing. They bought the franchise. They did one in Sydney. Uh, I think the producers were sort of sniffing around, didn't know where to go. A-League was a nice, shiny new thing, got in touch with Sydney FC for any tips, and then I got emptied into it because I'd had a little bit of television background, and, and it was it was just it was incredible fun. Um, so it's a reality TV show, but not one where – uh, you know, you're looking to belittle people, although there was a lot of <laughs> funny moments along the way. Um, <laughs> but it was a, it, in, in contrast to a lot of um, a lot of those reality TV shows. It was actually quite a wholesome, uplifting t- experience for people. And actually, these kids, well, as they were kids, um, first year university, pretty much, um, 
I don't know how they recruited them, made an advertisement. Uh, they they signed up at universities. They we're came all, and trialed. We're all over there on uh, social platforms and that in at all the universities and stuff. From what I read, just, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I know how vibrant was social media back in two thousand and five. Yeah. I don't really know, but mm. it might have been the old um, pin a notice on the notice board sort yeah. of thing. Any rate, they got some terrific characters. God, they got some terrific characters, and very happy to present themselves and laugh at themselves, but also express their particular interest in life, which was great. But actually what happened towards the end of it, as staged in parts as it was um, and, and, uh, and as sincere in other parts as it was, uh, um, they actually got quite connected both to each other and the game. Mm. And the very pleasing thing was after the, the final episode yeah. where, um, you know, the, where, where, where people were expressing some pretty deep emotions, season finished, and then... There was four or five of them who actually went away and signed up for their own football teams um, mm. in, at community level. Yeah. Um, it was incredible, really, yeah. that these it's kids who'd been – Yeah, get people out and get new, peop- new sort of people into the, into the game. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's amazing. The power of the game again. I mean, they'd been estranged, firewalled away from any sort of sport, as you could tell by watching them. They're just mm. completely anti-sport. Yeah. Um, but this episode, this 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 season of Nerds FC, and it was four or five of them who then the next winter gone and signed up to play for their local community team. It was great. So I don't know what they're doing now, but it was a lot yeah. of fun. Absolutely. Um, spawning salmon. I have to ask about that. How, how did that come about? Well, mate, like a lot of the things that come out of my mouth, it just comes out. I don't know where it came from. Um, <laughs> I really don't know. You, you just have these images. But you have these images come into your mind from time to time, and at that time in that Champions League match, and that came to my mind, and that's what I envisaged, and that's what came out. So, <laughs> I, 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 I can't give you any more science behind it. You know, I, I open my mouth and embarrass myself sometimes, or more than sometimes, depending on people's view. Yeah. Uh, I open my mouth, and something like that comes out, and it resonates with people. So, it, there's, there's again no science behind it. I watch the game, I get excited, and God knows what's going to come out. Yeah. I think I remember him saying something about two lost Jet supporters at a Green Gully versus Central Coast Mariners FFA Cup match. Oh, I, mate, I, I possibly. Um, yeah. He did. I know he did. I, I yeah, I know he did because it was us. <laughs> right. So where was, where, where was that? It was the FFA Cup where Liam Boland scored that absolute screamer and yeah, um, right. well, what's his name? Wamsley got Cottrell, sacked yeah. the next yeah. day from the Mariners because <laughs> they lost there the FFA go, Cup though. against Green Gully. Yeah, we finished indoor so, soccer so, and that, got our jet gear on and, and um, went to drove 10 minutes down the road to the game. Yeah. And, and you, were, you were there hoping, of course, to – what you were hoping to be a grave to dance on for the Mariners, which is exactly what happened. Of Absolutely. We were, yep. we were jumping about. We were in the bloody little mosh pit sort of thing. Yep. When and all the Green Gully supporters knew exactly why we were there. Oh, yeah, yeah, good. That's terrific. No, I, I do – well, I, I don't remember making the quip, but I remember that for the goal, and I remember it because I was with uh, my good mate, Mike Cockrell, yep. um, who, call, who called that game quite breathlessly, that goal. It was yeah. incredible memory. So, oh, good on you for being that. That's great. Wow. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so pretty much we've got one more before we just quickly delve into obviously the A-League, in, you know, where, where you, what your thoughts on the yeah. A-League now and et cetera yeah. is probably the most, for me, one of the most interesting ones. Um, 
where you worked um, closely with, obviously, Johnny Warren, mm. um, the New South Wales Premier's Soccer um, Task Force, mm. to obviously youth and state, um, at least, sorry, elite, sorry, elite football development, which, mm. again, is so very important. Uh, important sorry. Um, what was it like working with such, let's be honest, a, an amazing man? Yeah. Well, um, Johnny... Yeah, like a legend. I mean, it's incredible to have been in his company. But my association with him started when I was when I was taking when I when I was working at SBS. Mm. Um, now, the reason why I got into writing was because uh, in the Fairfax newspapers, you'll notice on the Saturday uh, edition of the Age and the Herald, they include the Good Weekend magazine. Mm. Oh, yeah. You familiar with that? Yeah, yeah. 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 Right, so uh, way back when, mm. there's a there, well, it's still there now. They have the, the the two of us is a regular segment section in the in the Good Weekend magazine. You're familiar with that? No, I don't think I know that right. one. Okay, so every week in the Good Weekend magazine, they do a two of us, which is a some life story between a couple of some sort, married, estranged, whatever. These people yeah. have come together in life, and okay. they tell their story. So way back when. Uh, I thought I'll do one on Johnny and Les on spec. Ah. So I, I asked Johnny and Les if they'd mind if I um, sat and interviewed them for the purposes of, of presenting a two of us story to the Good Weekend newspaper, well, the, the supplement for the Saturday Herald. Yeah. And uh, they agreed to do it. The Herald didn't want to run it, although strangely enough, um, they did run a Johnny and Les two of us about 18 months after I'd put, put the story to them. So mm. read into that what you will. <laughs> any rate... The reason why I say that is because uh, Johnny obviously read what I wrote. Um, I, unbeknownst to me, <laughs> at the same time, he was doing his biography, Sheila's Walks and Poofters. Which is, yeah. And uh, That's what we I had a coffee right? one day. Yeah, well, we, we had a coffee one day. And on the back of that Herald thing that I presented on spec, yep. he asked me to get stuck into his book with him and help him with a few bits and pieces here and write some stuff and and so from the, um, from there, just writing that thing on spec, asking Les and Johnny for a bit of time and putting that to the newspaper, which didn't get up, but he obviously saw something that he wanted to utilise and I ended up writing his book with him. And from that, then when the, te- the Premier's task force uh, was wanting for political reasons to make a splash in soccer for mm. Bob Carr and he approached Johnny and Johnny took me with him. Um, to write the report with him, so um, he he obviously felt comfortable with me. I never, I obviously felt incredibly comfortable with him. Uh, in awe, actually. I mean, you're sitting with one of the icons of Australian sport, never mind football, and and he sees some value in what you're doing. So it was enormously affirming um, and and great fun. I mean, what a what a character and and what an individual it was. Yeah. I was very very privileged, very and, and oh. still am. But then in particular, it's pretty amazing, really. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, yeah. So obviously, we're going to wrap it up. Obviously, we did try and <laughs> wanted to try and get you out of here well before an hour. Um, so we're going to try and quickly wrap it up. We've got a couple of quick questions. These are virtually just yes and no's, and you know, real short. And no worries. Don't feel like you have to write. No, 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 no. Yeah, but they are pretty much all quick. Um, your, th- your thoughts on the VAR? Never wanted it. Yep. Hate it. Yep. But I'm resigned to it staying. Mm. 
Mm. And so now the pressure must be on the authorities to fix it, make it better. But I, I never wanted it. It was always going to be one of these things they sell. They sell it. It's going to have minimal interruption. It's it's only to fix the absolute grotesque error. And we all knew that this that, that would just be the thin end of the wedge. And now they've created a monster. So yeah. it's not going to go away. I, I just think in in the digital era, this sort of stuff is going to be more, not less. But they're absolutely, mm. urgently have to fix it. Yeah, agreed. What are your views on it? What are your views on it? Hate it. Oh, look. Yeah, no. And that was look. before we lost the grand final. Well, I mean, what a farce. What a farce that was. Yeah. I, yeah. I actually hear oh, about Convenient. Convenient. <laughs> oh, the general's well, I, I, arrived. Welcome, the general. I, I will ask. That's my final question. <laughs> I, will, final, I will ask it. Don't stress, Andy. Calm down. Um, uh, what was I going to say? Yeah, VR for me. I, 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 I didn't want it at the start. But then when it come in and so forth, um, as you said, like it, the little things, like the absolutes that it needs to sort of fix up, like goal line technology, um, like ball crosses the line and stuff like that, fantastic. Um, mm. The offside thing, they just need to cut. It needs to just, it is or it isn't. You know what I mean? None of these hand mm. business or shoulders or I just, in my opinion, it come off the feet. If, you, if their mm. feet are in front of the last defender's feet, he's offside. What, mm. Why should six foot eight old mate get penalised because he he's not five foot three? Mm. <laughs> Tall and lanky. Like, yeah, you know what I mean. Just sort of those sort of scenarios. I think it's wrong, and it just needs to be. It, it, they need to get to the it sorted quicker. You know, like mm. they're not sitting there for a minute and a half re-looking at you. Yeah. Oh, then the referee goes over and has a look at it, yeah. and then he has it, a second it breaks look. momentum for the attacking like, side. Yeah. Yeah, it is or it isn't. Yeah, you know, right. We'll get. It, we'll send it up. The goal scored. Send it up upstairs and get it reviewed. And it's just bang, instant. You know what I mean? There's just no mucking around. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Play on. Mm. Um, well, that's if it, 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 it needs to be as simple as that. I don't understand the process necessarily, but yeah. But if if the founding if if the founding principle for VAR was clear and obvious error, then. By definition, if you're having to rewind something and replay it seven, eight, nine times over a two-minute period, the yeah. error can't be clear or obvious. Yeah, yeah, and that's it. It just needs to be. It just needs to be sorted to hundred yeah. percent, and every rule has to be the same. You know what I mean? Like there can't be that's an offside, but yeah. that isn't, and how's that offside, and this isn't. Well, that's that, that's a bigger thing with hand, the handball thing's just a farce. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you have the same game, a rule interpreted totally differently whether you're in the attacking area or the defending area. It's ridiculous. Yep. And yep. And, and that's the big thing. You have you have the law and then it says at the end and it always says at the end, um, to the interpretation of the referee. Mm. So one ref may call a handball here, but another one might not. Mm. It's- no, but but it's worse than that. This is not interpretation. Yeah. Mm. If the ball bounces off your thigh as a defender, yep. you go to control the ball uh, off your thigh yep. as a defender and it bounces into your hand, then it's play on. Yeah. But if you're a striker and it bounces off your hand, your thigh, into your hand and you're about to score, it's the it game is, stops. Uh, yeah. It's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. It's ridiculous. It is. And I think, they've, I think they've overreached and they've outsmarted themselves and I think there'll be a lot of pressure on them to wind it back, improve the technology, 
can't guarantee 100% accuracy, so don't so don't pretend it's 100% accurate. Have a, have margins for error, and away yep. we go. Yeah, 100%. Uh, A-League, 10 years' time. What are your thoughts? Where do you see the A-League? you see it improved wow. a lot more, or are we sort of still baby steps? Well, it depends. Like, when you say improved, on, on what grounds do you mean improved? Um, it's hard, I suppose. I suppose everyone's got a, their own views in it. Like, obviously, everyone's talking about a second division, um, mm. you know, so in 10 years' time, will we definitely see it? Mm. Uh, by that time, will we still be sort of where we are now? Um, mm. Like where it's just sort of, I don't know. For me, I was, well, Ben and I speak about that nearly every day, all the time, you know, yeah. and so yeah. forth. It's just a constant thing where it's like every five years. Um, so after five years, obviously, it sort of improves and then they get that five years and then five years go on and it sort of starts to drop a bit. Mm. Uh, it doesn't go anywhere. Like there's no improvement. Yeah, it's like, oh, wow, well, we're going on this ride, and then it sort of just yeah, stops. It sort of hits a plateau mm. and then just And then for out. a couple of mm. years, it just stays there. It's just flat mm. lines, and mm. it's just mm. – and then yep. oh, here we go again. We're going back up again. We're on another ride, and it just yep. sort of flattens out. Like, what are your thoughts? Obviously, you've yeah. been part of it from day one, mm. so do you see it? But I, I think – well, I, th- I think that's a really astute observation uh, of yours, a really astute observation. It, it does – it spikes and then it flattens. And, yeah. and the reason why that happens is because of a lack of investment. Mm-hmm. And up until now, if we're to believe the clubs, and I'm prepared to do that, they haven't felt the vehicle to invest properly to entice their investment yeah. uh, has been there. Um, and so rather than lose more money in a vehicle they don't control, yeah. um, they just don't spend. They don't yeah. invest. And if FFA was investment shy as well, um, you know, the Asian Cup in 2015 just yeah. went off its face and then we went back to A-League and there was no, yeah. no follow-up. Yeah. Uh, Del Piero, Emil Heskey, Shinjiano come, the, the, the golden days of the A-League in this, in this, in this yeah. sort of era. Yeah. Um, and then people went gun-shy because it's very expensive and they couldn't make it pay. I totally empathise with that. I, I, you know, I'm not paying the bills. It's very hard. Oh, it's yeah. easy to tell everyone else they should spend their money. But your observation yeah. is right. Yeah, is it sort of it, it's peaked and then it's plateaued and then and probably in a bit of bit of holding pattern now. So what's the future? Well, if we're to believe uh, under clubs again and again, I'm very prepared to do that um, from next season because let's let's acknowledge that they took yeah. control of the competition after this season had started. Yeah. So they haven't they haven't had a complete run at the at the long jump pit yet. Yep. Um, and so we need to, to give them their due that 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 they can deliver the plans that have been selling over the last three to four years, which yeah. has been – the process has been incredibly disruptive and that's brought about the current plateau, which yeah. I agree with. So in 10 yeah. years' time, well, if they get this thing going, um, uh, you know, I can see the league having grown to the 16 teams. Mm-hmm. What Football Australia does at the next level down with the – the um, the second tier discussions remains for them to fill out that discussion. Like I I don't I don't know what they're proposing yet, really. Yeah. So it's hard to comment. Except yeah. we want to have a national second division. Yeah. I'd love that. I can't find anyone who doesn't want it. But we don't really have anything to chew on there yet. Yeah. Unless yeah. I've missed something. Yeah. yeah. And and that's um, my big thing. Should it happen? Yes. Will it happen within the next five years? Probably not. 
but at the same point as well, it needs to be in a position where it's financially viable. Mm. Yeah. Look, it's just one of those things, isn't it? You know, like I've always been under the opinion that, you know, how can you have a second division A league when you haven't got a full division W league? Like, mm. yeah, there's I mean, that too. Well, that's just me in general. I know people, a lot of people just go, oh, the A league, you know, whatever. But you got to think of the W league. Yeah, you know I mean, like there is just mm. as good of players in the W in the women's football than there are in the men. Look how many mm. females are currently over in Europe more than the men. Uh, like recognised females, obviously. We're not talking about 16, 17 year old kids that want to play at the juniors levels in England or wherever. Um, but you know, obviously, a lot of more over in Europe now, and they're playing six months of the year and then expect mm. to work, train, mm. um, and then drop back to NPL. Take it. Take a six month contract or whatever it is, not knowing you know, that they're going to get a contract with the same club next year and then try to find an MPL mm. club. For Newcastle sense, obviously the best MPL is in Sydney, with more travel and everything else. You've got the Women's World Cup coming up and stuff like that. Something needs to happen. You know what I mean? They need to get this sorted. Central Coast haven't got a W League side. Why? No idea. They did. Now they're gone. Um, you know, Canberra have a W League side. Why don't they have an A League side? There's just so many little... Well, I think those, you know, I think they will start filling in those gaps. Like Canberra in the A League is, it has to happen. It's a Monty. Oh, um, yeah. Another team in these things, I believe, will happen. Yeah. Um. But and and I think if they don't happen, and forget the detail whether they decide Canberra or not, I'd I'd obviously be heartily recommending Canberra. I can't imagine a future vibrant A League without Canberra being in it. To be honest yep. with you. But other people will make that decision. Yeah. But suffice to say, if these expansions don't take place, then I, I think we'll be expecting a massive contraction of the whole business, right? Yeah. Um, back into whatever shape football is going to take. It's yeah. it's it's not expand or die, but it is going to be a function of how successful your strategy is, whatever that yeah. is. Um, and that has to be a, a big part of it. Um, and I think the indicator as to how healthy things are be is how aggressive is how aggressive they roll these plans out. And the W League's obviously part of that. And I think there's going to be a big appetite to fill in the women's um, um, scene, the women's inventory, more clubs, more games, yep. because of the timing of the Women's World Cup. So yep. let's hang our hats on that. That could be very exciting. One hundred percent. Well, as I said, we might. Um Hopefully, when the A-League season is finished, might look at getting back on, maybe talking a little bit more in-depth into the football side of things. Um, if you're up for that, that'd be great. Mm, sure, um, mate. Yeah. yeah. If you want to read out Andy's last one in there for him in regards to youth development in the chat, can you see that, Ben? Oh, the general's one. Okay, so... Yeah. The general is coming with youth development. Where are the next Troy Halpins, Clayton Zanes and Robbie Middlebys coming through for Newcastle? We're regarded mm. as the birthplace of football in this country. Mm. As the general should put his own name in that group as well. Um, yeah, I, I, I completely agree. I completely agree. Yeah, Angus Thurgate, not a Newcastle product, but he's a northern New South Wales person. I yeah. want to answer this question from a northern New South Wales perspective. Yeah, 100%. Because there's a, there's a lot of football outside of Newcastle. Newcastle, yep. rightly, is the epicentre. Um, and so I'm looking, you know, so there was Stewie Mashalik and Joby Wheelhouse, um, Jacob Pepper, James Fragilli, uh, Sammy Galloway, fill in some gaps here. There's not many more. Um, I forget the older guys at Newcastle now, Bogues and, and Jace Hoffman yeah. and mm. Benny Kandorowski. Yeah. 
yeah. uh, that younger tier, it, it's tapered off really quickly. And yeah, so you have yeah. to you have to say really in the last fifteen years, ten fifteen years, Emily Van Egmond, mm-hmm. um, and um, and um, 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 City at the moment, Melbourne City. Um, Oh, Claire Wheeler, at Sydney Connor, Connor Metcalf. Connor Metcalf. Yeah, he left, but he left as a twelve-year-old, right? Yeah. So I'm prepared to claim him as a South Cardiff Gunner, <laughs> but for the yeah. but for the purposes of um, which I do regularly yeah. through the telecast. But for the purposes of the general's question, yeah. and there's Claire Wheeler. So Emily Van Egmond and Claire Wheeler, two outstanding footballers, um, mm-hmm. and I hope Claire Wheeler becomes a Matilda before too much longer because she certainly should be in that discussion. Yeah, Elliot, but the cupboard's pretty. I big. had that one the too. Cupboard's Say so again, uh, Connor Chapman. Yeah, Connor Chapman. Mm. Yeah, he's a Newcastle boy, is he? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. He was. I, I believe he's the same sort of scenario, like twelve-year-old, thirty-year-old. I thought he was Campbelltown. No, I thought Connor Chapman grew up in Campbelltown. Any rate, anyway, happy to add him. Yeah, mate. If if we can claim him, that's a good one. I know he played for the Jets, but I'm pretty sure he came out of Southwest Sydney. Oh, well, there you go. It's Any right? It's in it, you what know. You it's just all these. You say these names and stuff like that. You know, you go into the W's. Um, you can't go past one of our favourites, Ben. You know, Tessa Tamplin. Um, oh, that's she's great. Weapon. He's going to be an absolute weapon. Ah, uh, you would be correct, Sydney, but he did have his youth at the Jets in 2012. Oh well, yeah, no youth at the Jets isn't good enough. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, he's he, he had he had youth in Southwest Sydney all before that. <laughs> nah, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the point is. The point is, for a city with the history of yeah. Newcastle in football mm-hmm. and the great names that have come out of the area, mm-hmm. and Troy Halpin, what a what an unbelievable yeah. player. David Lowe, too, just quietly is a personal favourite of mine, not just because yeah. he was a teammate, but a super player. Mm-hmm. But you know, there was a there was a conga line of them, a conga yeah. line. Raleigh and Dobson, the general. Who was that? Raleigh Dobson. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Now she's a she's a Warhope girl, so she's out of the yeah. regions as well. Yeah. Um, but the cupboard's pretty bare, and yeah. I think it needs it needs root and branch reform. It really does. And to be mm-hmm. honest, it's just bothered me for many, many years the lack of opportunity that local the local male players get at the Newcastle Jets. And this mm-hmm. is yeah. not a, this is not solely a reflection on the current state of affairs. Mm-hmm. This has been ever since. And yeah. but but it's all it's tapered off. You know, since Stu Michalik, Joby Willhouse came through, yep. Jacob Pepper, James Fagilli, yeah. mate, yeah. The, Andrew Hall, like it's becoming yeah, yeah. a drip feed. It's a drip feed. It's yeah. nothing more than that. It's it. It's like and sort I, of you get, and all, all those sort of plays, they come in as, together. You know, what I mean, there's like four or five of them, and they're in the same sort of yeah, they're in the same age bracket, and, and then, then you get massive, yeah, there's a massive break, and then it's you know five years later, there's another reboot. But aren't, is that is that accept is that acceptable? I, I just I don't. Yeah. So the so the A League is what this is its sixteenth season. Yeah, and we, you fill in some of the names, but we're we're not even really generating sixteen names. Yeah, Adelaide United this season have seventeen Adelaide products oh. in their in their team that's played this season. That's this season, just this season, yeah. and, and this is what me and Josh, and this is what yeah. me and Josh said is that this 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 season for A League is going to be one of the most exciting because A League clubs are going to be forced under the salary crack restriction because of COVID. They're going to be forced to play their youth, and there's nothing better than watching a youth product from not just the Jets Academy or uh, or from the Newcastle Jets, but from anywhere. 
uh, mm. across the A-League, just come out and absolutely school all these experienced A-League players and they just sort of stand there and go, well, well that just happened. Mm-hmm. Half's nail on the head. Freaking watching Adelaide. I could watch Adelaide every week. Like, oh, Paul, look at him. Green. Came out the mm. blocks at the Mariners mm. and now he's off to the Bundes, uh, Spider Bundesliga next season. Mm. Prime exactly. example. How long, how long he lasts, mm. though. Again, it's, it's, that's not the big – that's not what you want to take out of it. It's – I mean, it's good to see some of them going over there, but mm. you want to keep them here as well. You know, you want to build it around yeah. some of these youth players, you know, like uh, what's his name, Azani or whatever it is, that went to Celtic. And look what happened there. Yeah. You know, mm. he, he left and he's just had drama after drama after drama, you know. Like for me, he needs to come back to the A-League and rejuvenate his career and get it back to where yeah. it probably was and stuff and like then, that. Yeah, before. and then have another crack. Iconomedes yeah, has done that numerous times. Correct. So, but yeah, no, hundred percent. I've been lucky enough to speak to, um, you know, Craig Johnson. You know, and you look at that and someone of someone of his quality and his life story, even. You know what I mean? Like of what he went through and stuff like that. Um, I believe he's trying to do something in Newcastle at the moment, or he's thinking about. It. I think there's some news I've seen with him around him trying to do something with the development in youth football. Um, what comes of it? Who knows? But yeah, it, it needs to change. We need we need to be producing a lot more. Um, maybe with Qual, um, is it uh, Qual, Qual Jones, what is name? Oh, Q, Q Yarland, Q, yeah. Q, Q Yarland, yeah, yeah, yeah. With him, obviously now at the helm and stuff like that. International, obviously, you know, game loves the game and knows the game inside and out. Even at local level, you know, being part of Western United, uh, the Western Bears there for a bit. Um, Hopefully he does good things. Yeah, hopefully he does something mm. with it. So. Mm. Anyway, we're going to wrap it up. The last one we, the, the general wants to know, or to tell the story of the, what is it, the frigging no petrol or some, something? <laughs> what the hell is this no petrol scenario? Well, it was, well I, 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 has he mentioned it to you before? No. 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 Well, it was, it was, the, it was the general's, it was the general's catch cry. Um, okay. We're playing at Birmingham Gardens, which was what I remember most fondly because I missed most of the season when we first moved back to McDonald Jones. Um, but you know, you'd you'd do your warm up, you'd come back in in the dressing room, you'd have your last drink, maybe go to the dunny, um, make sure your boots were tied up properly, and got your shin pads all all ready to go. Adjust yeah. the jocks, line up, referee taps on the door. Um, everyone's lining up, a bit of white line fever starting to build. Lee Sterry is just giving us a raz. And then to break the silence as we walk out, every home game or every game, home or not, the general would pipe up halfway down the team lineup. No petrol, lads. No petrol. <laughs> now, I'm not sure if that was a reference to him struggling to get to the ground on time or he wanted us to leave everything on the field. And I'm watching the general play, it was leave everything out on the field. Don't come yeah. back in the rooms with anything left. So um, it was it was it, it was quite inspirational actually at the right time, and now it's become um, a very fond and running joke between us all. Between us all, there you go. <laughs> um, honestly, mate, we could sit here and talk to you for hours about frigging football. Um, we are going to let you go though, and as I said, hopefully get you back at some point soon, and we'll talk maybe a bit more about it. Um, yeah, no, honestly, mate, we thank you for your time. That's no, my pleasure. No worries at all. And um, yeah, wish you obviously luck for the rest of the season in the calls and commentary. You've 
flat out, mate. Friggin' yeah. three games in three games in a bloody three games in three days or whatever it was last week and mate, friggin' hell, killing it. Well how, how, how about Brenton Speed the other day on oh, Saturday? Yeah. He did. He did an AFL game on Saturday afternoon, yeah, and then yeah. went and did the A League derby, the Sydney derby on Saturday night. Incredible yeah. effort. Nah, good good pro. Good pro. Good, no, good, thanks, good mate. Th- th- thanks for having me, and thanks for your interest and support. It's great. No, honestly, it's mate. A yeah, pleasure. Been, yeah, been um, hoping to get you on for ages. Honestly, friggin' um, but yeah. No, we thank you for your time, mate. And as I said, we'll speak to you soon. And um, <laughs> yeah, in- enjoy the rest of the season of the A League. If we don't speak to you before. You too. You too, guys. Good on you. Take it easy, mate. Cheers.